Hello and welcome to another episode. My name is Ross. I'm Craig. Uh, and uh, well, I would say put the kettle on, but it's it's tea time. But in our case, it's a PIN tea time. Tea time. Um, so as you can see, we are not split today. We are in the same place we've come to. Where are we, Charnoff? Charnoff, yeah, in Dorset. Um, so we are going to do the new section separately, so let's cut to that now. Thanks Ross. Okay, so, news. Craig can start if you want to. Ah, yes. Um, so, lots of good news this week. We're going to start with a nice piece. Oh, change. All about pool holes. Oh, but what? Sorry, you say poo holes? Yeah, like, you know, those things. I'm not, I'm not sure. This is the, have you got the right news, the right show? Yeah, I, to be honest, I just looked up why it was called poo holes. I couldn't quite figure it out. I thought it might be a spelling mistake. What they mean is potholes. But they are referenced as poo holes, <laughs> uh, primarily because they are filled with eco-friendly material made from wastewater. So the stuff... What kind of wastewater? You know, the stuff where you can flush away poo. Human wastewater. Right. Lovely. So we are effectively filling potholes with poo. Excrement. Yes. Food waste. Excrement. (laughs) (laughs) I like like the thumbs. Sorry. Um, So hypothetically, not hypothetically. She's on the guitar. That's the wrong word. (laughs) But in Ted style. Excrement. So the anyway. wastewater that comes from the toilet systems and sewage systems, we are basically filtering out and out pops clean water and grit. And this grit is now, we have to dispose of it anyway. It's the type of stuff we just chuck in a landfill. So now we're kind of melding together somehow, making some sort of ceramic cement and uh, filling up some potholes. <sighs> I mean, that's that's a good sustainable initiative right there. Yeah. What do we do with the waste? Ah, chuck it in the road. Okay. And that'd be a good news as well. Uh, I mean, it's it's good news, but it doesn't sound very nice. And then why it's called pool holes. What I'm saying is I'm, I'm, I'm hoping no one's watching this while eating their breakfast, is what I'm saying. Ah, oh, them, them pool holes is quite, quite, you know. Anyway, sorry, on, on, on to the next one. Um, uh, before we go to the next one, oh. also another bit of news where this came from is because in 2018, the UK government uh, gave 100 million extra towards whatever department fixes the holes um, to fix them. So that's 100 million to fix potholes. And, uh, they've, they, and they've invented and they've it on a way to use wastewater to fill holes. Right. I mean, uh, that's that's top use of mind to me. Um, next, uh, next piece of news, which is uh, also pretty good: uh, new UK law to curb the deforestation. No, messed up. Deforestation. Deforestation. Supply chain issues. So, if you are a large company in the UK. I think they're starting with large companies, but it will obviously go down to small companies eventually. Uh, The idea is right now that if you have any sort of deforestation um, as part of your supply chain, it has to be removed or displayed in some way. 
Right, okay. So if you get your uh, cocoa, soya, rubber, or anything else from anything that has a deforestation angle, you need to declare it, and you need to stop doing that, basically. Okay, yeah. Under cool. threat of bit, bit penalties. As it were. Yeah, but hopefully this one will actually work. Okay. Um, <coughs> also, the critics are saying it's not quite enough. They're kind of saying that right now the penalties are ineffective perhaps these companies maybe are big enough to pay the penalties and just get away with it because yeah it's cheaper for them to do that than it is so, but potentially it's a step in the right direction though, surely it is it's in a six week review period so hopefully these will be tightened uh, toughened up and yeah hopefully we'll get to you what that is soon alright um, another nice bit of good news is wow, three in a row three in a row a major step Towards artificial photosynthesis. Artificial fo- uh, fake leaf. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically, they've invented a way to um, a device which produces clean energy like plants. Okay. And actually, the way this works seems quite ingenious. It's a standalone device which converts sunlight, uh, carbon dioxide, and water. Mm into clean energy and it does it wirelessly without electricity I mean that sounds like an amazing thing to happen it sounds almost too good to be true what's this thing look like Um, right now it looks like uh, what they're describing a photo sheet which is kind of like what they're using is a 20 centimeter sheet which does all the work and it produces lab trials uh, in Cambridge Research uh, Centre and it basically produces oxygen and formic acid and it's the formic acid which can then be stored as fuel and converted into hydrogen to produce clean energy at a later point okay okay interesting so yeah this cool photo sheet thing uh, the tests they did as I mentioned was about 20 centimeters this is yay and but what they suggest is that it can be scaled up relatively easily into meters long so we could imagine them being used in farms similar right now how we have solar panel farms mm-hmm. you could have this photo sheet farms which are this there happily pumping away um formic acid well, i feel like i want to look into this formic acid to see what the like is it going to require like some sort of ridiculous electricity intensive process to turn formic acid into hydrogen because it feels like that's where we're going again. But um, I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought so. We'll but, we'll cover it in more information. Yes, when we find out more. Either way, pretty cool. Uh, and the fourth one, which easily one of the best pieces of news I've ever read, um, is all to do with a company which claims to use nuclear waste in a super safe way to produce batteries which last twenty eight thousand years. So nuclear waste, the thing that we've been worrying about, what we're going to do with it, dig it under the ground, leave it somewhere, pour it into the river, blah, blah, blah. We've now found a way of turning that into a battery. Yes. That lasts for 28,000 years. 28,000 years. Are we talking one charge or you can just be used? Uh, This is one charge, so I assume one injection of nuclear waste (laughs) will have a half-life 28,000 years. And... I suppose the cooler part of this is it's by a Californian battery company called um, NDB. And 
I'll explain exactly how they do it in a second, which is a massive sentence of stuff. Right. Um, but before that, they can standardize down to battery sizes of AA, AAA, etc. And with nuclear waste inside it. Yes. And I will read how they do it because it's a very, very cool process of stuff. Um, so what they take is radioactive graphite components in a highly dangerous, hard to store and safely purified graphene form, which they use to then create carbon-14 diamonds. And then a layer of diamond is coated in another layer, this time of carbon-12 diamonds, uh, which acts as a tamper-proof protector to contain the radioactive material. These structures are then layered. I feel like this is just layered. A, this is a buzzwords, but go Yes, to create a cell capable of producing electricity. And it says it could be repurposed and it should be safe. Should be safe. Should be safe. Should be safe. Right. And what are we using these batteries for? Oof, you'll have gas. Um, Where's the first place you would imagine you put a nuclear waste battery? Hopefully in some, like, distant place where there's no people around uh, and we're using it some sort of uh, UK national grid um, supplier to keep the balance right how about one in five granddad hearts <laughs> what <laughs> yeah that point didn't come across probably uh, pacemakers no uh, so pacemakers have a battery um, which lasts, uh, I don't know, probably as long as a watch battery. So we're going to put one of these 20,000 nuclear waste batteries right that's into the that. That's the first thing they're going to use it for, a pacemaker. That's the suggested first place. Oh, that's, that's, that's the that's, best that's, idea they've actually, got. It's actually described as the perfect place. Well, because you need it to run for 28,000 years, or whatever it was? I mean, That's insane, your heart surely. will outlive you. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, in hindsight, you don't really need it that long. How long does a pacemaker last? 10 years? Well, and then what happens to it? I just pass, pass it down to the family. It's <laughs> 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 a grim way of thinking about like, it. I'm thinking of t shirts now. Yeah. I, I heart nuclear waste type thing. <laughs> yeah, I can't get an image out of my mind of uh, having someone's pacemaker in your will. Right, okay. You'll need this eventually. Um, so yeah, well, good luck with that one. Obviously, electrical vehicles is um, is probably the best way you can imagine it's being used. And the company uh, NDB say they can safely again process this down to a electric vehicle battery, which can last ninety years. Well, I'd still prefer that than having a pacemaker with it. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure why ninety years. I'm not sure what happens to the half life there, how that reduces. But ninety years for an electric vehicle battery that sounds good. Mainly because we kind of just determine an electric vehicle's shelf life based on its battery. Mm-hmm. So, a Tesla, 90 years. You'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? Pretty good. I mean, what else, what right. else degrades? I reckon I can do a million miles or more in 90 years. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what else degrades in a Tesla besides the battery? That can't be replaced so easily. I think you've got your normal stuff, you've got your tyres and your brakes, and stuff, but, um, but, but nothing. But nothing. No. Um, and that, that car can run there isn't many other pieces in it mm. that's the beauty of electric cars there isn't any gearbox and clutches and stuff yes mechanic extreme or nightmare either way you want to see it um, and a piece of news which I wanted to just discuss it's not really sustainable as such but just a nice bit of news I want to discuss was the uh, Neuralink mm-hmm. yeah 
So you know stuff about this too. So uh, yeah, Elon Musk promises to show a working brain computer uh, chip for human symbiosis. Yeah, this week, Friday. Yeah, Friday at uh, 11, 11 p.m. BST. So if you don't know, they've um, they've worked well. The whole that they've been building this this tool to basically um, connect a device to the human brain with these tiny little. Uh, thinner than a human hair type length things which they call threads which literally attach this device to your like neurons in your brain um, and then the idea being that you can then um, control uh, a device let's say just like mm. a basic device like a TV or whatever um, with your thoughts so that there I don't know what they're doing on Friday but they this should be demonstrating something to that effect where they can think something and then mm. the the chip translates that information directly to the device they're controlling. Which will be amazing to see because they're going to have a functional demo on Friday. Supposedly so, yeah. Yeah, to really show how this works. Bit um, excited about that one. Yeah, so stay tuned on Friday to see what happens there. Um, outside of that, another piece of news I just wanted to discuss because it's interesting is the whole Uber and Lyft thing that's happening in California. Do you know much about that? Um, uh, they were told they had to employ their staff and they said no and if they were forced to they would pull out of California I think that was the latest I heard yeah basically so they used gig workers um, which yep. are basically self-employed yep. and they were told that they have to hire them and give them employ- employment rights yep. and yeah Uber and Lyft kind of said mm, no thank you and They've been fighting this since uh, September 2019 when this legislation was passed. And they've been successfully so far delaying it, but it does seem like appeals are running out. And their last uh, last ditch effort right now is Proposition 22, which is a way to delay it even slightly further. Um, But yes, ultimately looks like they're going to fail and have to maybe stick by their word and pull out to California. Right. Yeah. Which is a is a shame because, yeah, the the idea of like improving the environment would be to stop thinking about having uh, your own private vehicle and start having some more yeah. on demand style thing. Yeah, on demand vehicles that you can just share because you don't need your own because eventually they're all going to standardize anyway. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think as you've mentioned before, that's the that's the Tesla model anyway. That, that's yeah, the the, their intention is to have a fleet of autonomous vehicles, which you basically just essentially live in the city, and then mm. they just go around, 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 around. Yeah, and then you just as you as you need one, you use the app, call it, it'll pick you up, chop you off. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's what Uber and Lyft wish they had right now, because yeah, they've got the they unfortunate don't wanna, they don't meat that they have to use to drive the vehicle. Yeah, they don't want to hire them because they know that eventually they don't need them. Um, I wouldn't imagine too many gig workers in California would want to be hired. They do it as a gig because they want out, they want a gig. They do other stuff. They don't want to, you know, confuse things. Don't know. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe they do want to be hired. I'm not sure. But yeah, bad move by California. I don't think it's very An very move by California. Future thinking, relatively, you know, yeah, progressive and stuff. So mm. odd. Or back, to do that. Backward step. I think this has gone a bit more, bit more too liberal, perhaps. I mean, I know there was a lot of stuff about their the employee rights and then strikes and stuff not getting paid enough. So maybe there's to do, more to do with that. But 
isn't it? I don't know. Um, and my final piece of news, I mean, so far, these are all good piece of news, perhaps, except maybe the last one. Yeah. Um, COVID-19 is accelerating our shift away from fossil fuels. Makes sense, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing discovery, I suppose, the way we're, right now, renewable energy is classed as the sixth uh, wave of innovation, where uh, the fifth wave was the digital age. Mm-hmm. So we've surpassed that. We're now part of the renewable age. And we are seeing a hell of a lot of innovation. Uh, new sectors are seeing growth, such as wind farms, solar panels. We're all seeing these things quite uh, skyrocket in um, versatility and just purchase in general. And all sectors are seeing hurt. I think we've seen during the pandemic that oil was undersold because there's just less cars. Air mm-hmm. travel is dying off slightly. I mean, air, airlines is going under left, right, and center. Um, and that does seem like that's something that's going to continue. Well, yeah, if we ain't flying anywhere. Yes. So it's something they can not fly for. I think, yeah, flying maybe go back to a luxury, not so much a commodity as it kind of got to. Yeah, and that, that kind of feels like maybe it's the best way to go. Well, see, the tele working, they're working from home, the Zoom calls and stuff yeah. are all helping that sort of thing because now you don't need to actually fly to wherever it may be to, no. to do the meeting. You can, it's getting more and more legitimate to not do that. We well, just don't need to commute in general, you just don't need to leave your house. So there's a lot of things that's just, wow, sounds good. Yeah, the world. not good for air, air companies and all their employees, but. Yeah, they're very good for the world. And um, oh, well. today's conversation, we're talking about the, the climate crisis, and I think that'll, that'll help. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason this week, even though I think we mentioned over the last couple of weeks, there's been slow news. This yeah, week, there's been a nuts. lot of mm-hmm. news. So I've covered seven points that I'd like to expand on. But I'm going to have eight more. Which I'm not going to expand on. For okay. the sake of time, so I'm going to quick fire these out. Go for it. And I don't know how you want to react to these, but you can react on camera. I'm just going to quick fire them and just go. For I'll it. be the reactor. Okay, so I'm going to start. There's a new baby electric Jaguar in town to take on the Tesla Model 3. Bang. Yeah, right. There's finally a date now for those who own a Tesla. But you have to own a Tesla. A dating app. Yes. Mm. Keeps her in house. Uh, Londoners can now hire a Tesla for the day with a contactless app. Okay, cool. That's cool. London only. Hopefully, we'll see you somewhere else. Uh, robots can now store energy like humans in fat reserves <laughs> after battery breakthrough. <laughs> what, the battery breakthrough? We can now attach batteries to belts. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, not, not, uh, we're probably, not going to expand too much on these things, but okay. uh, it's not quite a 28,000 year battery with nuclear Robots risk. can get fat now. Brilliant. Yes. Um, and good bit of news. Europe overtakes China as the biggest consumer of plug-in electric vehicles. Really? Europe is the new top dog in electric vehicles. I wonder if that's fully electric or hybrids, but okay, yeah. I don't know. Let's do that. That's cool. Um, another bit of news on the news. Tesla driving <laughs> YouTuber warned, don't use autopilot on UK roads. It's illegal. Even though the UK has passed in law that we can start trialing this by next year, mm-hmm. as you mentioned in the last episode, mm. uh, it's not a legal. It's not legal yet. Yeah. And the guy who was doing it has been told off 
because uh, I think Tesla might have dubbed him in. Oh, I mean, there was a, there is a Tesla driver in UK. I have to admit, having watched some of his, his um, things, his episodes, um, most of the autopilot miles have been done in America. Ah, where they drive on the other side of the road. And I, from just watching his videos, that did seem to be uh, where we're further behind, where the car wasn't responding quite as well to some things that you can see it being done in America, which would make some sense because little subtle things that you don't really think about are quite different. Mm. Um, you know, just to do with like you know, the the color of the the lines in the middle of the road, where we have yellow lines and and they perhaps don't, or how that all how their signs look. There's quite a few differences. So actually, our the UK cars have a lot. We're at a disadvantage actually mm. because we have a lot less um, mileage um, compared to the US. I mean, it's entirely different on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, so it has to surely learn. Has to have a surely have a different neural network. Yes, because everything's inverted. Yeah, completely. So this uh, entirely different highway code, different signs, etc. Um, anyway, um, another piece of news: Florida mosquitoes. 750 million genetically modified mosquitoes are to be released. Sounds released from where? Prison? Scary. I mean, what? Yeah, they've been locked up for some time mm-hmm. um, in a lab where they've genetically altered only females um, to basically reproduce and have less chance of spreading disease. Oh. 750 million that's of them. That def- must have taken some time. definitely not going to backfire, is it? That doesn't doesn't seem like it. I mean, we just get a little pandemic. I mean, surely no one's not going to start. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, whoops. No, it turns out they spread them. Yeah. And they don't die. <laughs> pandemic, the sequel, coming next year. Um, and Why finally, ending on a bit of grim news. Excellent. I just But it's a nice, nice bit of news to go into today's chat. So I'll mention the news and then go into the chat later. It's the Greenland Ice Sheet. Yeah, has lost a record one million tons of ice per minute in twenty nineteen. Per minute, one million one tons million tons per minute per minute in twenty nineteen. How many minutes are in a year? Well, exactly. Um, I mean that's the whole sixty times sixty times twenty four thing. Yeah, but can you can you figure it out before, before I type it? No, no, I cannot. <laughs> My math is not that good. Uh, five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes. Five hundred twenty-five thousand million. <laughs> I didn't even think that. Yes. I didn't. I wouldn't even guess there. There was that much ice. But that's five point six billion. Yeah, I guess it is. 5.6 billion tons of ice have been lost in, from Greenland in 2019. Wow. Um, okay. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a massive and all that devastating news. What happy news do you? If have? I wasn't sit down, sat down already, I would need to. Um, okay, I have a few more. Um, uh, a few more devastating, or a few more happy. No, I'll start with a happy one. Um, let's start with. Just a simple fact that thanks to a recent storm that we just had, um, wind power provided almost 60% of the UK's electricity in the early hours of Saturday morning just gone. Oh, well, this one, that's in Storm Francis. Uh, I think it's Francis. It was, I think it was, uh, had a different name. But it's it was... America, so it would be E, Erica. <laughs> Who knows? But it was a recent storm. The one on Saturday morning. I probably should have got more information. Um... 
Oh, Ellen. Storm Ellen. Ah, Ellen. Yes, yeah. Storm Ellen. Oh, I remember um, it. So, yeah. Yes, that was good for, for wind power. Um, uh, 12 companies have joined together to form the renewable... Well, it's called the, R, the RTFA, right? RTFA. Okay. Right, which I, I like to call them as the Renewable Transport, Transport Fuel Avengers. But they didn't go for Avengers. They went with Association. Which is a bit more dull. But anyway, so the Renewable Transport Fuel Association is a new trade body that's launched this week for producers and suppliers of green transport fuels, and it currently has 12 companies, and it's growing. Who's the 12 companies? I don't know. But um, the point is that um, that's a terrible bit of news. But um, basically, the point is that they're, they've launched a, a trade body to try and sort of... It's all the same sort of stuff they've been doing recently. It's more and more sort of government policies to try and get together. Down, they've got a government body to sort of push towards renewable fuel transport. They um, that's all sort of leaked to the EV one hundred, I think it's called, which is basically like a a pledge. Um, and then all the, these companies, you know, we've seen loads of companies recently say, "Oh, I, I will do this by twenty mm. It's all part of that sort of thing. Or, pledging to do the set one one of the one of the goals of that EV one hundred. So this okay. is basically more legislation is is coming about. So it's a small bit of news, but yeah. hmm. um loop. All those guys. Remember them? Yeah. Previously mentioned on this channel for their work with Tesco's. Um are now working with Alter, a beauty um company, um to design circular packaging for them to combat the industry's plastic waste problem. So Leap is spreading. Plastic waste problem, and they call Alta, as in the plastic people's faces. As in U-L-T-A. Not. Oh, Alta. Alta, yeah. Not Alta. Not to Alta, no. Oh, that would be quite a funny name for a Plastic surgery company. and like, you know, plastic <laughs> noses and stuff. How do we get rid of those? Yeah. Okay. Um, right, uh, it's been a bit of complaining recently that, uh, under the title Not a Green Recovery. Um, so, green groups have been slamming the government's 27.4 billion roads, road infrastructure plan. Mm. Uh, they initially introduced the plan before the pandemic hit to improve, fix, and build new roads. Um, and they have announced recently that they are going to continue going ahead with that plan. The green groups are arguing that the targets for a green recovery uh, would be trashed by the infrastructure development and the increased cars on the road that it would bring. Um, and they think that they should be redirecting some of that money towards uh, broadband and enabling people to work at home more and not have to go to work. Um, um, and obviously and helping those businesses to encourage their employees to stay at home. So there's a bit of a controversy going on in, at the moment about that. Um, difficulty for me for that one is infrastructure doesn't, it's not, it's not just, you know, the service businesses where the people that can stay at home mm. is easy for them. But then there's, there's, you know, there's agriculture, there's um, manufacturing, there's construction, mm. those sort of, those sort of industries would still very much benefit from a better road system. So, yeah, I don't know whether it's necessarily a bad thing for them to carry on, but uh, so that's that's happening at the moment. Um, there's a company called Kaluza. Uh, they're providing smart, flexible energy services, um, combining vehicle to grid chargers with the energy storage batteries, like the Tesla Powerwall. Mm. Um, they're 
Calusa themselves are a subsidiary of Ovo, the big energy company. Yeah. Um, but basically, they're trying. They're starting pilot schemes now where they're trying to encourage um, a particular area to sort of to link everything together with the cars and the and the batteries to try and change the this current spike that we have with the cars being um, drawing from the grid at like six pm when they come home from work to mm. test out whether in a neighborhood whether they can get it so that the uh, cars will draw from a, a different time and then resupply energy at 6 p.m. and they're trying to basically turn it into a sort of mini um, mm. grid in itself. So, um, so as we talked about last week or the week before where mm. they can start using, utilizing electric vehicle batteries yes. as a global grid storage system. Yeah, so you have to look into whether they um, clues is operating in your area. But if you're interested in that, if you have a electric car um, or a home storage battery, then um, look them up. Um, and then the only other thing about is that we celebrated, and I put celebrated in inverted commas, um, Earth Overshoot Day, uh, twenty twenty, this week. Uh, so that's the day in the year that humanity has used all the available natural resources for the year. Uh, and this year it fell on the 22nd of August, hmm. um, which is three weeks later than it was in 2019. So that's good. That's a good thing. That's good. Except... I mean, so it's still dying and there'll be four months on the target, but... It, but, but it mostly happened because of the pandemic. Ah, that's that's pretty good. I mean, in the sense of... Yeah, it's made a difference. Yeah. So, yeah, it did make a, quite a big difference from that perspective. Um uh, but yes, so that is my news for the week. Cool. Uh, just as final thing, three weeks thing. The three weeks thing. That's going to stick. Do you think, or that's going to next year? We're going to we're just going to no, next year we'll, that away. Next year we'll go back to it being more like a flight every day, early August, if it. not July. I mean, hopefully, obviously, all the changes that are happening this year and all the goals will have an impact. But I don't think mm. we will manage the same date next year. Hmm. Well, it's actually a really good piece of news to pass on today's chat. Which is? The future we choose. Mm. Speaking of which, back to us. In the other place. Welcome back. Um, uh, so today's topic is, or oh, I'll let Craig do it. Ah, yes. So based on the segue from the news, which is perfectly clean, we're now going to talk about the future we choose. And um, is a brand new book by Christina Figueres and Tom Rivet uh, Karnak, who are the co-authors of the Paris Climate Agreement in 2015. And they've released this book in a quite timely fashion. About five years ago. I'd have to look at you or this now. Well, it doesn't matter. We're all together. This way. Yes. Um, so they've uh, released this quite uh, recently, more in April this year. Um, aptly quite the beginning of the pandemic and we'll talk about why this bit apt a little later on but they have the strong principle of we are currently in the critical decade right well it makes sense we've been we've been nearing the critical point for a long time wow yeah i mean the argument is that we've passed the point that we can ever reverse this we're actually now past that. We're past that. Oh, just, I mean, we, we can never go back to how it was. At least, at least we can now change the tune. So, because it's been like this impending thing that we can't. We've only got a few years left. Now we're screwed officially. Great. Um, yes. Um, so 
So the way they've released this book is they understand there are two extremes. There are those who completely believe in the climate crisis and everything to do with it and could potentially be scared by it. And there are others who deny its existence. Um, some people in political power. And who could you be referring to? And the majority, and I would include myself in this, I'm not sure if you would do the same, majority sit in the middle of understand the science, understand the reasons why perhaps, and why this is a good idea, um, but not really sure what to do about it. Well, no, I'm not, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, whilst individuals can contribute, I don't feel like we can really change much without, unless you go into some sort of influence, position, power of government or whatever. Yeah, I think that, that speaks for the majority of people in the middle. Or you set up a business and you change it yourself. Because like it seems in, in terms of the, the contribution, some of the biggest um, changes to whether or not we're moving towards green actually is coming from the kind of businesses who have the most money, like Amazon, when they come out and say something, they're going to actually make a difference because they, they've got the money to support any claims that they make. Yeah, I mean, money definitely does help. And... We'll come on to the exact justs, but the book argues uh, we can sort of do a lot ourselves independently with three mindsets and ten actions. Three mindsets and ten actions. I like how they kind of like neatly package those uh, bits and pieces. But first of all, um, the authors make a clear, clear indication that the climate crisis is a very scary and overwhelming problem. The biggest challenge that we probably would ever face in our lifetime. And so getting to Trump is pretty hard work. Yeah. Sorry, serious, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so as I mentioned, we're already too late to solve the crisis. We will never solve the crisis. All we can do right now is hope for a better future. And that's why the book is called The Future You Choose or Future We Choose. Depressing. Uh, slightly depressing, but it's filled with an optimistic undertone. Okay. I'll get to that part. Um, yeah, we're way too far. Uh, we already have permanent damage to the world. Um, we can't bring back certain extinct species. Um, we've cut down half of the world's trees. We've killed half the world's um, coral. We've melted half the glaciers. I mean, we've done a lot of damage. Wow. Um, impressive. Um, yeah, we've done, stupidity. <laughs> we've, yeah we've, done a lot, we've done a lot of damage basically and all we can really hope for is to get to a place where we can stabilise the chaos. Mitigate the problem. I'm not sure if we can mitigate it, I think it's going to happen. But uh, the wave is coming, can we break it? mitigation was an optimistic view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the book is quite aptly timed to be an invitation to be part of the future of humanity. So it's quite exciting. Like we exist and we live right now in a point of time where we can have an impact on this. <laughs> That's, that itself has to be some level of excitement. Yeah, we can also watch our instruction. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Probably, I, mean, it's, it's, I might, be, might be getting to this later on, but have we reached a point where we, we know that, you know, by a certain date, like we know that certain things only go horribly horribly. Yes. Oh, okay. What date is that? Do we know or should I let you guess that? 
Um, I didn't see my notes. Well, that's... Oh, no, it's, you, it's, you guys it's, it's illuminating he, our faces. That has, he can. That's multiple uses. Um, yeah, so the two dates to see into your mind are 2030 and 2050. Round numbers. Yes, and that's why this is the critical decade, because this is the decade up until 2030, and if we haven't sorted our lives out by that point, mm -hmm. it is too late. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's proper too late. Right. Like right now, it's too late to solve the problem. If we don't do anything by 2030, then it's too late to probably survive. Oh. So there's the underlying optimism. Oh, we're still, we're still always wondering whether I should be sat in a pub. Yeah, I mean, it's a good choice. Um, so that's 2030. 2030, if we don't do anything, uh, we're done. 2050 is. I'm just going to say for the next 10 years, screw it. Is, um, is the. It's basically when the Paris Climate Agreement have agreed on as the date where the Earth can only warm by two degrees. If we've achieved the rec recommendations by that point, which is effectively become net uh, carbon neutral mm. by 2050, the Earth will only warm by two degrees. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss later on exactly what that means. Okay. This doesn't sound a lot, but it doesn't. It is pretty significant. Um, the agreement itself would like it to be 1.5 degrees, and if I just quickly highlight the difference between 1.5 to 2 degrees, it's probably a few million people will survive more. A few million more will survive if you have a 1.5 degrees warming versus 2 degrees. A few million? Well, that's not, that's not huge. In, I mean, in, I mean, sorry. Uh, let me rephrase it. It's not huge to you. Let me phrase, <laughs> me phrase it. I meant in terms of the population of the planet. No, I mean, the population of the planet will survive for some time. I mean, my going to die by 2050, the most catastrophic effects will happen by 2100. Okay. So we're talking 80 years time. I don't think I'm going to be here then. Well, you might, might not, but your kids will. I don't will. think I will be. Your kids will. Pretty sure I'm not going to get that old. But yes, my kids, my, my, my kid you, will. Yes, your child will be living his, you know, his 80s, just at a birthday party, um, out of his, you know, underground bunker, and is now wondering, well, what, what my daddy did in the world. But, I mean, that's just a very stupid thing to say. If it does go horribly wrong, I, I would like to at least be here to, <laughs> to say I told you so. Do you know what I mean? Although I suppose most of the people I'd be saying it to would be already dead anyway. Yes. Um, probably anyway, so. So, um, so, yeah, ideally 1.5 degrees, ideally by 2040, not 2050. 2050 is the latest point, 2 degrees is the highest amount. So they're very much the bare minimums we have to achieve. And in order to get there, the reason 2030 is so critical, this critical decade, is because we need to half our carbon um, output by 2030. Half it. Mm. Uh, which means we need to start today. Uh, we've already started. And yeah, the reason why I mentioned at the beginning this is aptly timed during the pandemic is because this pandemic has already shown good signs of reducing our carbon footprint. Um, Yes, I mean, as we mentioned earlier, which you'll know about, but you won't. Um, uh, we that the date that we passed the um, I can't remember it now because I haven't got my notes. But um, there's a like Earth Day. I want yeah, the the, the one, not Earth Day, but the, the the day that we go past all our resources. Oh yeah, yeah, it happened a few days ago. Um, it was 22nd, I think. It was. When the Earth has output as much it's, carbon as the Earth can naturally absorb. We've passed that date, yes. and now it's outputting more and yes, more and more. Yes, but the pandemic only slowed it down by three weeks. 
Ah, did it? Yes. That's cool. Didn't know that. We'll make that a smaller thing when we do it later. So <laughs> that, that did last year, I think, was mid-August. So we're slow by three weeks, which means we're going to surpass it in when? We really have surpassed it. Yeah, really, it was Yeah, it was a few days ago. But it was three weeks later than it was last year. Which, in, in one hand, um, makes it weird that a whole, a whole global pandemic, a whole economy shutdown, only delayed us by three weeks. But then in, in, in pretty different context, the last time the date was this far back mm. was um, 2005. Right. Okay. So three weeks is actually quite a... It's, 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 it's quite a move. It's quite a chunk. So we could do with this thing happening quite often, is what you're suggesting. Well, I'm not suggesting that, but, um, but yeah, it takes, it takes a pandemic to push us back 15 years. Mm. Um, and just to top off on the scary thing of the critical decade, why it is the critical decade, uh, even if we do meet these 1.5 degree or 2 degree increases by 2050, we still only have a 50-50 chance of survival. I could feel my lighter tone that I was trying to bring to this, reducing. I knew this was going to happen, so I started with a jokey tone to try and make it seem less depressing. But, but that's why we're in a pub. Well, yeah, but, but also, it's a, you know, it's a serious point. We are not here just to make jokes out of um, <laughs> the end of humanity. Um, but um, even though this does seem like we're making some sort of like lost footage film, you find at the beginning of one of those, <laughs> one of those, uh, you know, low budget horrors of uh, yeah. we did warn you guys, we warned you guys, <laughs> as the hurricane destroys us in our makeshift like tent <laughs> with fairy lights. It's a nice tent. It's an amazing tent. Yeah. Recommend uh, the pub <laughs> channel. George. Uh, George. The George. The George and Charlie. Thanks for letting us use this. Yes. Um, yeah, so I covered all the depressing points, <laughs> critical decade. Um, oh, there's a why question. If we exceed these minimum marks, we do not get the critical infrastructure in place in time. Um, yeah, we're still more dead. Um, there are certain things that can increase our deadness. Um, they are the boreal forests of Canada and Russia. Uh, Greenland's ice cover and the Amazon. Those three mm-hmm. things, if either of those fall in the next yeah. decade, and they're all on the brink as well, obviously, yeah. um, either of those fall, any of those fall, sorry, um, they will cause a domino effect and all of them will fall. And they are responsible for cooling the planet by um, handfuls of degrees each. So, yeah, we lose any one of those, they See, all fall and yeah. makes all our effort for nothing. The optimist, the optimist, optimist inside me thinks, well, you know, we're planting trees. That's becoming a thing. We're planting loads more trees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a whole every time you buy a t-shirt on some people's YouTube channels, then you get, you know, a tree is planted at the same time. There's more and more of the stuff. But as we found out last week, the reality is, you need to you need to be growing a forest for like thirty to one hundred and twenty years before it has any sort of real impact. Yeah. So yeah, we can't fix. I mean, we got thirty years before we're dead. Yeah. So we, if we plant a tree now, that's wonderful, but it's not going to do anything. It's not, not going to do nothing. But it's not going to do enough. No. Even if we decided to, you know, knock down the most of the Midlands. I don't know why I put the Midlands. I'm sorry. How cool, Scotland, wherever. I don't care. Um, if we knocked it all down and put and place trees, it just isn't going to do enough. Not for the world. No. 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 I mean. Like we would literally have to maybe reforest the Sahara in order to do anything. 
potentially. Mm, uh, we, we are going to come to trees. Trees are going to help, and they are going to be a very critical part of the solution. Um, but to first discover, well, to first discuss the final depressing part before we get on to the optimistic parts. Okay. Um, just because we should start Let me just my drink. with a low tone. Um, is there's two worlds that were envisioned uh, by the Paris Climate Agreement. Um, they were World One. Um, we are right now in a condition of completely perfect, apt, um, ecological conditions you know, on Earth right now for life. And yeah. has been so for the last 12,000 years. Um, that condition of Earth is very critical to us as humans, mm-hmm. not necessarily critical to the Earth. Um, a lot of climate no. criticisms always come down to the fact that um, the Earth will die. The Earth won't die. No. We will die. The Earth yes. will survive. Yeah, the, I mean, the Earth has been like this before. Exactly. The Earth has spent um, 5.9 billion years like this. It could not care less if we're gone or not. And that's the scary thing that this is a very normal situation we go into with Earth. Well, um, when was the last age? Ice age. Um, <laughs> I don't know. When was it created? Two hundred and forty thousand years ago. That's, that's, my, that's, that's, a, that's my top of the head guess. Okay, but yeah. So at that point, obviously, the Earth was quite happy with an ice age. It was. It, was, it, uh, it, it wasn't unhappy about that. Yes, uh, we wouldn't like it then. Uh, yes, and that warming apparently was um, was useful then, actually, because well, useful for us. Yeah, and that's where that's where, that's where the locks in Scotland came from. They were melted glaciers, landlocked. Random thing. Um, yeah, so that's that's world one. So world one, twelve thousand years of perfect climate crisis, uh, perfect climate conditions we're in could end. Um, the Earth doesn't really care about that. Only we care about that, and we are primarily the prime drivers and responsible for that, which means we can do something about it. Um, We've already, as you mentioned, killed half the planet's stuff. Like, there's still half it left, but that's, well, that's the optimistic end of the that We've killed half there's the coral. We didn't kill. There's half coral still around, and we are trying to regenerate it. Uh, we've killed half the forests, but the other half is still here, just about. Um, but yeah, we've, we've been, we've active, actively warmed the planet by just 0.9 degrees Celsius in the last 50 years. Since the Industrial Revolution-ish, uh, we've played a part of adding an extra degree to the entire world. Mm. I mean, I, I mean, part of me still thinks that if we are capable, I mean, yes, it's taken us however many years, hundreds of years of industrial morons, being a moron, <laughs> uh, to create a situation, I feel like if humanity was to actually really, really try, we could probably fix and we'll reverse a lot of it, but obviously what we can't do is bring the species back and bring some of the diversity back. No. The biodiversity. That's kind of what they're, they're already gone. We're not going to bring back extinct species, even if we do invent some strong Jurassic Park thing in the future. Like, who wants the daughter? But the 184 countries signed the past climate agreement in 2015. Yes. Um, the majority of people... How been, many are still signed up for the majority, okay. as we know, the USA has pulled out. No. They have some issues with it. Um, so they're on their own stretch of world right now. Um, and basically, they've all agreed to a five-year set of plans on how they themselves as a country can decarbonize themselves. 
Uh, the UK has its own plan. And, and the cool thing is we are seeing the UK do a lot of stuff. And the UK was a key contributor to the past climate agreement, which is quite good. Um, so the two worlds, as mentioned in the book, are A, we do the five-year plans we've all agreed, that's last signed, and the idea is that every five years we come back and sign another agreement to do another five years and keep on going yeah. until we're not dead. Um, but if all we do is that five... It's like a checkpoint in a race. It is. You get time. Yeah. Oh, you get a bit more time, guys. Keep going. It keep, keeps us all honest. So you, America. All 184 countries have signed, 183, I think, have probably still in it. Um, yeah, so if we only do what we agreed to do in the last five years, um, we will probably warm the planet by 3.7 degrees by two, uh, 2100. Um, and then there's no possible re- recuperation, and everything bad happens, uh, we all die. So if we do nothing more, uh, we die roughly the same. We've done nothing but probably make a dent in the situation. However, mm. positive note, if we do five everything days. under the five years and we sign to another five years and continue in that stead, yeah. um, we only raise by 1.5 degrees by 2100. Yeah. Um, it, we still have negative consequences in the world, yep. unavoidable, but all the good things can happen too. We'll start seeing... Um, Life return in certain areas, you know, certain things can start to be triggering, like uh, as long as we can rewild forests, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, those things will continue. We as a species are not used to the status quo being the positive best outcome. I think that's the problem, yeah. Because we, we want typically things to get better, yes. we always do. But oh. actually, in this case, all we want to do is it not go worse. But we always leave things for the last minute. Well, it's because it's the last decade now. Yeah, that's because people can't. We're short-term thinkers. It is. It's, it's a really complex problem, too. And we need everyone to agree to this. Um, and that's why the Paris Climate Agreement was a massive undertaking. Um, they, they went through some crap to get out of the Bomb threats, um, terrorist actions. Um, there was early discussions that kind of fell out. I, I believe it was Venezuela, um, the representative of Venezuela, uh, couldn't get her voice heard, so she banged her name tag on the table so hard she cut herself and was only listened to when she was bleeding. Stuff like that, very intense discussions. But the cool thing is that they did get an agreement. Um, they did have a bomb scare on the day of the agreement too. Um, but they went through it because they realized they had to do it now because this time may never come again and yeah. it's a critical time. So they sacrificed a lot to do this. So, in a sense, the least we can do is honour what we can do too. Mm. And that brings us nicely to the three mindsets. So, the three mindsets suggested are, first of all, we need stubborn optimism. Stubborn optimism. I think I'm quite good at that. Yeah. So, even though all this negative stuff is probably going to happen anyway, even how we we could be the best thing ever, but this stuff's not going to happen. To a certain degree, hurricanes are going to increase, floods and droughts are going to increase, mm-hmm. species are going to die out. I believe 12% of the current animals are on the endangered species list. They probably won't make it. Um, people will die. Mm-hmm. But stubborn optimism will see us through. Well, for example, we always, um, we're always slow to start, mm. 
but like in the same way that our technology gets faster, 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 faster. But the same thing will happen with you know we're getting we've been talking about solar and wind for quite some time, yeah. but we're getting better at it, and the better we get at it, the more companies are starting to realise that actually they can make money out of this. It's actually it's self-sustaining. It, it, there's a, there's a positive element to the fact that they're not having to um, you know aside from any um, penalties that people are going to put on fossil fuels and all that sort of stuff just the idea that I'm going to have to pay for a resource and keep paying for that resource or not pay for the resource that's becoming getting to the point where it's becoming you know people realising it makes sense and then once it does make sense whilst we don't want to give too much praise to capitalism um, the ball starts rolling and then there will just be more and more and more and more and more of it and then we'll come up with other things um, it's just until but it's just a difficult map trying to make it uh, financially in their interest at the moment I think it is because almost everyone wants to have the greenest technology that's becoming a bit of a thing in itself because they want to lead the world having green technology because they're expecting there to be more and more incentives to, to do so Yeah. Um, so I feel that will get faster and faster and our technology will get better and some of it won't necessarily be good like you know we'll do carbon sequestering and whether maybe that will backfire on us or you know all the stuff to do with hydrogen whether they turn all this energy into hydrogen and then they actually go well actually that was a bit of a wet, I don't know whatever they come up with and there'll probably be some mistakes on the way but I feel like we'll just get more and more of it and I so that gives me optimism yeah that uh, we'll, we'll fix the problem to some extent yeah completely agree I mean these things are going to turn uh, they have to turn so they are going to turn and yeah, if I suppose we are quite naturally optimistic, so we're not necessarily a target audience of stubborn optimism. I would say, yeah, I would probably say I'm quite stubbornly optimistic too. I think the good thing is going to happen, irrespective of facts otherwise. I um, know we're optimistic, Craig, right? because this is what our ninth episode, and the number of views we've had so far just really doesn't sustain having nine episodes. So I know we're optimistic. Yeah. Because we believe there's enough people out there who are interested in this stuff to keep doing it. And that's why we're doing it. This entire episode, I think, for me at least, is the reason why I'm doing this, to learn. I'm I'm in the middle, as I said. I didn't really know a lot about this stuff. I knew the science. I knew roughly what was happening. But, yeah, I didn't really know the whys, the hows, the whats. So I think researching this has helped me, and I hope that we've at least helped someone else. Well, yeah, I haven't published it. But, yes, hopefully. Yes, that's the plan. Um... But yeah, stubborn optimism, uh, neuroscience studies confirm that if you are pessimistic of nature, you can literally think different. You can think optimistic and you will become optimistic. A lot of that whole self-help stuff actually is relatively true. So that's good. Um, yeah, so what is happening is terrible, but we can't just throw our hands up. We have to be responsible. We have to yes, be stubbornly optimistic. But there are some things that we can do. And some of it doesn't work particularly well but like you know I have an electric car and yes I have because I got the first one <laughs> I've had issues let's let's not pretend I haven't but um, but that's stubborn optimism of uh, my own I, I was going to say the Nissan Leaf is uh, probably the definition of stubborn optimism yes but you could make it here well that actually wasn't my worst problem today but you know <laughs> it was more the ridiculous infrastructure of roads but um, um, which we also talked about earlier but um um, yeah, the, 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 the characterization of what they put in the book, at least, was uh, the ideas of the medieval storm builders who built cathedrals, which took hundreds of years mm. to build. 
yeah. you will lay in potentially the, the, the building blocks and you will never see the, the finished creation. You will die long before that thing is finished. Yet they were suddenly optimistic. All they were doing is right, they're doing a bloody good job. And they spend their entire life doing that and never know if it worked. So well, we need to be a bit more like those guys. Imagine most people did it, they were slaves, weren't they? Uh, not in, uh, not in medieval England. Oh, okay. Storm masons were, you know. Oh, these people, sorry, yes. Top shelf dudes. Um, second mindset. Hmm. Endless abundance. What's coming? I don't know, but I feel like I want another point. Um, yeah, it's best closing term is we need to wrap things up mm, as well. Yeah. Um, so, so the idea is that we need to get let go of the idea that we live in some sort of uh, scarcity mindset that things aren't available to us because there are today at least more things available than we need. Uh, we need to maybe want less and only use what we need and that type of mentality will be good for us because we are going to go to a world sooner or later where scarcity is a real thing. You remind me of something because you said yeah. the word abundance. So I was quickly looking up. So it is what, what I think it is. Because it's um sorry side note. Yeah, um, funny you say that abundance um, because uh, that is the name. I don't know if it's come from that or not, but there's a name of um, there's a new investment um, company. Who um, you know they talk about pensions and how you could best your pensions into sustainable future, which is coming back to the things that we can do. Um, mm. That would be one of them. You can you can decide to put your own pensions in it. Well, um, abundance is a similar sort of thing, except it's not pensions, it's just normal investments. And you can actually fund or invest in um, renewable projects all around the UK. Nice. And then you'll get a return on, the, on that investment. And it's like, it's more like passive income, five, six percent sort of area, but... Um, I only discovered it today, so um, I was going to bring up another episode where I do more into it, but sorry, you just yep. reminded me of it. Yep, no, that's good. That's good. And that's that's one of the actions too. We'll come to those in a little bit. Um, the, idea, the idea of abundance is we live in a society of a zero-sum paradigm where um, for us to win, someone else to lose, and that's just a normal capitalistic sort of mindset where you know we can't all get that seat on the bus. Yet, the idea is that even if we don't go seat in the bus, we should still be happy yeah. because we all win. You know, for example, us allowing that other person to sit down, we could feel happy about that, that yeah. we let that person sit down. Effectively, we didn't compete for that seat. Yeah. Uh, we helped them. And yeah, while standing, we could have interesting conversations with other people. So there's other ways to win. It's good for the core as well, standing up. It is. Got to balance yourself. Uh, so that's that's where we need to change and start thinking about um, the idea that yeah, don't don't fight for the bus seats, let them go. You know, there'll be more, and we're all winning together. Um, to speed things up a little bit, uh, the third mindset is uh, a radical regeneration. Okay, thought this sound a bit hippie now, but uh, <laughs> I mean, these guys might be hippies. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, not in too much. Um, but basically, the planet cannot support our direction of growth, which we already know. Yes. I mean, I think the first have got into this the first twenty minutes of this discussion has made abundantly clear. <laughs> um, yeah, we can no longer extract resources from the Earth without consequence. Um, we need to effectively remove the pressures on nature which we put there. Uh, we need to stop pretty much a lot of the stuff that we're doing. 
we need to start rewilding areas, um, introducing native animals and plants to help uh, forestries bounce back. Um, it's not just trees, there are other things too, like for example deer. You know, introducing deer to forests can help with biodiversity. Um, but as you mentioned in the beginning, planting trees. Planting trees is still the best thing we can do. And simple. Very, very simple. Um, and planting trees is something we can all do. Um, I won't get too much into that exactly now because it's an action later on. But we've also seen that spending time in nature is good for mental health and well-being. So yep. The more time we do it, the better. So the more there are, the better we'll all be as a society. And ideally, we should all increase our knowledge of the planetary life system. Um, the planetary life system. Yes, how everything works together. Like, for example, like what are pollinators? Bees, butterflies, insects in general. Okay, so like the, what, what the mechanics of Earth. Yeah, basically, what you know, what's good, what's ne- what's needed. What if we wipe out has massively detrimental effects? We should all have some relative education on how that works. Mm-hmm. Like, what do wasps do? Apparently, what the hell is the point of a wasp? I don't know. Apparently, anything. Apparently, they're just irritation and don't do anything. Yeah, I mean, I accidentally killed three of them today. I didn't How'd mean you to. Accidentally killed three. It landed in my beer um. three times. <laughs> three of them. Yeah, <laughs> wasps. <laughs> um. Anyway, ten actions. Ten actions. Critical decade. Ten actions we can do. Okay. So uh, I like how they brought it down to a nice number. I imagine there could be a lot more, but 10 actions are followable by the normal person, which we are. So, speak yourself. <laughs> okay, now to car driving. Okay, now. <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't blurp it out last thing, so I guess I'm ever doing that one either. I, I don't know, I'm taking the same car, I'm not sure. F might be different. Yeah. Anyway, um, 10. 32 minutes in, 32 minutes in. All right, anyway. 10. Go. Number one. Yeah, ten. Number, number one. one. Um, let go of the old world. Let go of the old world. Let go of the old world. Um, I'm not sure what that means to be honest. Basically, we I thought we wanted the old world. I thought the whole part of the issue is that we let go too much. Well, well, the old world, as in the last 50 years or so, we've all benefited from because we're all oh, under okay. the age of 50. Uh, therefore, we need to say thank you, fossil fuels. We no longer need your help. Yes. Um, you've helped us get to this point, but we're happy to go our own way from now on. And, I mean, there's still people in the UK who are opposition to wind farms, for example, because they destroy how beautiful nature is. Yeah. So we need to just let go of that, let go of yesterday's aesthetics, and say, we just need to move forward now. Like, we need that there. There's, yeah. a, there's a decent amount of wind in this mountain. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's I mean, I think, I mean, I think they have it, I think. Okay. I mean, they kind of, it's kind of have a point in the sense that I'm not saying that we shouldn't do it, but it's kind of one of those things that go, it does kind of ruin the landscape. So let's not let's not stop there. Let's go, okay, that's that's better than we have, but can we keep going? Okay, so there's another way of doing this. That doesn't mean you don't have to do that. Is there, can we, I don't know. Obviously, yes. you have to do something somewhere, as I'm going. But they are, you know, they're yesterday's aesthetics. Yeah. We, we can't fight about how a hill looks in a world where we might have a hurricane, you know, mess it up. So well, why, we, why we could just not have people near them. I mean, that would be one thing. If you don't ruin the aesthetic, don't go there. Don't live there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Either way, um, most people who campaigned against that didn't even live in the countryside where these things are, are an area. Um, yeah. And the people who do live in the countryside who actually voted for this 
they voted in the Conservatives in the UK in um, 2010, primarily because they were going to subsidise wind farms on their land. And they subsidised it by 80%, which is 80% reduction on wind farms. Um, so, yeah, really good bargain for them if you live in that area and they wanted them. Um, there are some individuals and corporations and companies who are trying to slow down this trend. Mm-hmm. And they obviously have a lot of monetary benefit in doing that. That's you know, fossil fuel companies obviously have um, an incentive of slowing this down. That's come. <laughs> but um, what we need to do is drop all the blame. Yeah, okay. Fine. We can't blame them. We need to thank the old world and move on. And the yeah. fossil fuel companies are the old world. Uh, we can't blame them for what they did. We just need to get rid of all that... No, I mean, um, yeah, just 50 years, 100 years ago, whatever we would have said, they were entrepreneurial, they were exactly. um, opportunistic, whatever, they were good, you know, making jobs, and that's so they probably thought they were doing a half decent thing, uh, yeah. making money for their family, that sort of stuff. So, yes. Yes. I mean, now to think about the fact. But now we know better, so let's try and move on. <laughs> well, they're struggling too. They mean, they still got jobs, they're still quite critical to the economy, but we'll come to the economy a little bit. Um, I feel like we've only got 10 minutes left, so we need to speed things number up. Number two. Uh, number two. Face your grief, but hold a vision of the future. Okay. Basically, people are going to die. Oh, yeah, that. Even if we do the best possible job we can, people are still going to die. Yes. Um, the world will still be different. Uh, the seasons will not be the same for our children as they were for us, yeah. especially our grandchildren. Things are going to change, but we need to... Focus on the vision, which is um, the best we can do is get to 1.5 or 2 degrees increase by this certain date, by 2050. And that's kind of all we can aim for. Not necessarily worry about the short-term profits, worry about that as a long-term vision. And do what we can to get to that point. Your house is burning down. You've got one thing you can take with you. That sort of situation. Yeah, sort of, yeah. Yeah, Except the fact that you can lose everything else. Just take the thing you can go with it and go. Yeah, yeah. Although they say take nothing, but ba- basically, yeah. Uh, the good quote I think was in the book by Maya An- Angelou, Angelou, Angelou. Yeah, Maya Angelou. Yeah, yeah. Go with that. Uh, you may encounter many defeats, but you must not be defeated. Yeah, cool quote. Uh, we can all achieve a better future. Number three, defend the truth. So this is a it's very hard one. Very, very hard one. Well, it's a major issue, then. Uh, it is, yeah. We're in a post-truth era, um, which is a mad thing to even say in itself. Uh, lies <laughs> spread faster than truth. Uh, there was an MIT study on Twitter that found that lies spread six times faster than truth. Uh, that tends to be something we have to deal with. Um, so defending the truth is the best we can do, especially when we have world leaders who obscure the facts. Um, so how we can do that is... Uh, are you going to name some names? No, I thought it was going to be on the number four. I mean, that was pretty, I, think, I think everyone knows. Uh, I, I, th- I think so, yeah. And don't, don't, don't give up on climate denial, basically. They're potentially just misinformed, naive. You know, facts aren't always what changes people's minds. Oh, that's good. Maybe, yeah. Don't blame, remember? No, oh, sorry, don't blame. Yeah, three, three. Sorry, yeah. Um, see yourself as a citizen, not a consumer. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, the cool analogy of this, I have to share because it's awesome, is the uh, South Indian monkey trap. Um, the idea is that the way they trap this monkey goes against this 
the, the idea of greed. So they have a box with a small hole. Inside, they put some sticky rice. Mm. And the monkey can reach in. and the actual screen as well. Reach in, grab the rice, mm. and the carcass hand out. Because the hole is big enough for an uh, unclenched right. hand, yes, but, but not big enough to get a clenched hand out. Gotcha, yeah. And that monkey will not let go of that rice for sheer greed. It's part of its instinct. It will not let go of that rice. It will actually be caught, killed, eaten by some indigenous farmers than they call that rice. And us as people, we have the same instinct. We are greedy and we are consumers. And we need to move away from a consumer, start thinking like a citizen. Um, For example, the fashion industry is probably the biggest problem of this area because the UK on average consumes 65 pounds, as in weight, pounds of weight, not Mm -hmm. money, of clothes every year, uh, driven primarily by fashion trends. Seasonality. Oof, this is the latest thing they sort of um, If you've been watching our podcasts over the last couple of months, we've all been wearing the same thing pretty much. We, we don't do fashion, so we're not really affected by this. Uh, however, fashion is responsible for 10% of the CO2 output of the entire yeah, world. amazing to me. Um, yeah, we mentioned this um, last time. I can't remember if it was on, on like, A or not. Air? Yeah. On air? Yeah. <laughs> Where's the red light? Was it on tape? Was the VHS in no, I think it was afterwards. But, um, yeah, so responsible 10% of the carbon footprint, second only to the oil industry. Making them the second biggest polluters are the textile industry, fashion being the biggest problem in that area. Um, and $550 billion is spent annually on marketing these things to us as consumers. And most things are designed to be obsolete within a certain period of time. So basically, we get screwed every way you think about it as a consumer. So don't be a consumer. Just uh, don't. Yeah. I'm not saying you should make your own stuff, but there's plenty of clothes lying around already. Just uh, find use for it. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, there's so much stuff. Yeah. Um, rule five. Five. Uh, move beyond fossil fuels. Yes. Obviously. Well, obviously, but it's, it's move not, beyond things it's not, that you have to pull out the ground and then you have to when you run out you have to get some more yes but it's also quite hard that uh, we also need to move past the assumption that we need fossil fuels a lot of people will think that well, you know, I don't really I'm mean, very used to fossil fuels now as far as we know this place is funded by fossil fuels and we're yeah, drinking yeah, yeah. fossil fuel induced I'm not drinking beer. fossil fuel oh I see yeah. well, we, don't, we don't know have you researched no, that? I was thinking, I'm not, it's not crude or it's cider so, I mean, we don't know where that came from Basically, we don't. Um, um, to, uh, to move on quick, all, all I mentioned is uh, Mark Carney, who is the governor of Bank of England, famously said in order to uh, make the transition from today's fossil fuel-based economy to a more uh, decarbonized economy, we need uh, a jump to distress. It's a really right. cool way of saying a jump to distress because this was some time ago, and potentially we're in that distress right now. What's the distress? Uh, we need something to radically change our consumers' behaviour away from fossil fuels to renewables, and that's just happened. Right. Uh, air travel is down 80%. Oh, I see. Uh, fossil fuels, like for example, the oil is the cheapest it's ever been because we're not buying the stuff. Yes. They're burning it in mass quantities to keep the price stable. You know, stuff like that. We've just massively, um, yeah, we just got really distressed. Which is cool because yeah, we could be at a perfect time right now, and as you said, we've pushed the clock back by three weeks, um, which, which is, is fifteen years worth of, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, the idea here is that um, 
we can make a difference with how we invest and we should do an investment thing on that at some point. Yeah. The idea of diversifying or no sorry, divesting divesting from pension pension divestings. I think is a thing we talked about recently where the UK biggest pension holders divested in uh, fossil fuel companies into renewable companies. That is a massive move forward. And, and it's something that everyone could do as well. Which is what my kind of my, my favourite part about it is. Yes. And I can't remember what the name were. Peabody, I think. Peabody, massive oil uh, massive coal company. Uh, they they listed uh di- dive- divesting? Divesting. Divesting. They listed divesting. I'm not sure what that word is. I thought it was investing, but go on. The opposite. They take money out. Oh. So they've listed divesting as one of the reasons of bankruptcy that they went to bankruptcy as a coal company because of divestment from pension funds. So let's let's see more of that happen. Um, blah 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 blah. A couple of things we can do in this fossil fuel. Uh, still, still, no, oh. still on five. Okay. Sorry, it's weird because we're speeding up because we're in a we're in like yeah. a somewhere else and we don't control the time. We have maybe four minutes until we so kick stop talking about it. Crack on. Yeah, cool. Um, basically, buy an electric vehicle car, that can help. Um, do an energy audit on your house. Try and ideally have renewable electricity usage in your house if you can, or if you know you can. Just um, switching provider. Is- yeah, talk about who your pension providers are and maybe go into something that's a bit more renewable. Um, Don't just leave your money in a bank account. And the biggest, the biggest thing we can stop doing, which is the hardest and that has happened this year naturally, is flying. Flying is the biggest thing we can stop today if you live in a wealthy country. And a mad fact, we should know about that only 6% of the world's population has ever sat foot on a plane. Okay. So we're a tiny minority and we're responsible for a massive majority of the crap in the world. So yeah, yeah, yes. Um, Six, reforest the earth. Right, yes. Forests are essential to the ecosystem, as we discussed. We know all that. since the dawn of agriculture, humans have basically cut down roughly three trillion trees, or half. We even do it in our, in our in our gardens because they they take out. You know, we want a lawn, so we cut. Them I mean, how, how many do we do every year for Christmas? We got yeah, having of cutting trees yeah. down every year, and we discussed this in our point, but let's not get into that now. We'll also do an episode on that too. Yep. Um, but in 2018, we basically cut down 12 million hectares of forest equivalent to 30 football fields every minute every minute and a third of which was pristine rainforest and most of that was that's made me angry it does and most of that was based on commodities of beef uh, soy palm oil and wood so we're we're blaming the vegans well Apparently, I'm not actually. So it's just a little little bit. Yeah, as you mentioned, I mentioned before, soy also feeds animals. Blah 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 blah. But um, to make you feel happy, beef cattle are responsible for the biggest chunk of that. uh, The same as all the other three put together. So yeah, beef is the biggest problem there. The food industry. My point was the vegans getting blamed for things well. Oh, actually, soy, you know, soy. Yeah. So yeah, maybe don't drink soy. Maybe drink something else. I don't know. Um. Yeah, one, one study on a plant in trees. Um, one study found that 900 million hectares of the size of the entire US is available right now for planting trees over the entire world. Um, if we did this and they matured, which as we talked about takes 20 odd years, it takes some time, 
Um, that would be enough to absorb nearly 70% of the CO2 released since the Industrial Revolution. Right. That alone could have saved us if we'd done that maybe 40 years ago. Yes. Uh, but we didn't, so here we are. Uh, but still, plant trees is the best thing we could do. Still, plant trees. And if every person was to plant a tree, maybe 10 or 20 each, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we can definitely reduce and, and not necessarily offset. Offset's kind of a bad word, perhaps. I think it's cheating. But we could reduce our impact by, yeah, planting trees. Mm. It just takes a long time. Um, I want to mention this one because it's a good little project. Uh, the NEP project in West Sussex in 2001 obtained 3,500 acres of heavily farmed land. Mm-hmm. It's been farmed intensively since World War II. Yeah. Uh, basically, the land was dead. And they rewilded by planting trees, letting animals such as pigs, sheep, deer, free roam. Mm-hmm. And they just allow the land to recover. Yeah. Um, and now, between 2001 and now, it has completely recovered biodiversity and become a breeding hotspot for um, a bunch of various species. I believe, um, I can't remember the butterfly's name, but a certain butterfly that's only native to Britain, it now has the largest collection of those. Okay. Just natively uh, breeding on the ground. Not that I want there to be a, a commercial angle to this, but if only there was a, some sort of monetary reason for for, for doing that then more people would because all you have to literally all you have to do is buy the land and then do nothing basically yeah to a point I mean you might have to do some I mean plant, plant the seedlings and then just come back in 40 years sorry yes you might have to do some preliminary work but once, you've done, once it's all set up you can slowly do its own thing and then you know then if that was somehow increased the value of the land that would be wonderful yes because um, that would do it the final point of that would be to go plant-based, eating less meat helps with um, rewilding and reducing carbon footprint. Or plant first. Yep, as discussed last time. Um, and also boycott products cons- uh, contributing to deforestation. And going back to the news we shared earlier, the UK has now made that illegal, which is amazing, and we talk about that later. Uh, vote with your money. Always vote with your money. Number seven. Themselves, uh, invest in a clean economy. Um, I mentioned earlier about divesting in pension funds, which are d- directly linked to fossil fuels. Right now, unfortunately, most of the world's economy is based on fossil fuels, and the oil industry, coal industry, uh, most of rare resources in the earth, because they are stable enough to uh, build and lend money to. Um, and our GDP, which is a gross domestic profit, uh, gross product, product is linked heavily to fossil fuels. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the problem is that if you go to a coffee shop and you buy a cup of coffee every day in a cup, and you throw the cup away and the next day you buy another one, do the same, mm-hmm. GDP goes up. You come in the next day and you buy a ceramic mug and you just get a coffee refill, GDP goes down. Mm-hmm. If you came in every day with a ceramic mug, had a cup of coffee and threw your ceramic mug away every day, mm-hmm. GDP goes way up. And that's kind of a problem. So GDP is not a good um, measure of where we want to be. So we need to move past GDP, start thinking about a version that thinks of nature first. And there are an SDP, which thinks about sustainability domestic that would be nice. product. Um, but that, that's still sort of coming. And as mentioned, uh, Peabody, the world's largest coal company, uh, listed divestment as one of the reasons for its bankruptcy, which I can only see as a good thing. <laughs> um, number eight, uh, use technology responsibly. 
Yeah. Uh, new, new technology has enormous potential to help us. Uh, and the way it's been described is kind of like a fire. It can either warm you or burn your house down. It's how you use it that matters. So we must be very careful and have proper, um, proper governance, especially in the case of AI. AI yes. could be our greatest ally. It could be our greatest undoing. We don't know. We could all come back, shape this Arnold Schwarzenegger, and sort us out and save the Arnold Schwarzenegger now? Or? I know, he's still pretty fit, I imagine. Um, <laughs> separate, <laughs> separate, separate topic. Um, so, yeah, an AI agreement on how we can regulate AI might even, they might be an even bigger um, thing than get in the past climate agreement of us all to agree on what AI can do and how how we can how we can be governed. It kind of feels like such a fast moving thing. I don't think we'll get that done by twenty thirty yeah. Probably not. Um, Google they used AI in twenty sixteen to reduce the cooling um, requirements of its data centers by forty percent and became carbon neutral because of it. So AI has such an amazing potential we need to do more of it. But right now investment in climate usage is very low. So yeah, anyone in that sector, we just need to start increasing that. Uh, they turn in lights like we have to hurry up. Uh, number nine, build uh, gender equality. Um, I've got a bunch of points on this, just because I've cut this one short, doesn't mean I care about it less. Increase uh, <laughs> levels of women in leadership. Uh, primarily women have leadership styles that are open and sensitive to a wide range of views, are better working collaboratively, and have a longer term perspective. And typically, corporations and companies which have women at, who lead uh, care about the climate more and do more for the climate. So, we need more female leaders in the world who will help because they are the people who potentially could be the ones pushing change in the near future. And uh, number 10, and what they class as the most important, is to engage in politics. Ugh. Democracy can only take us so far. It is um, true. And we are threatened by the crisis, and we must really evolve democracy past this idea that, yeah, we can't keep voting for the guy that says the best thing. Or I, the woman who I, says the best thing. This is not thing. the right place for it. I don't know the party system. It needs to be fixed. No. Uh, especially when there's a lot of corporate interest involved in what what parties do. I mean, lobbying, boycotting, all that. Good brand. The whole the whole thing is engineered around the idea that essentially, well, I'm not saying all MPs are idiots, but there's a certain there's a certain attraction it seems to people who are less likely to do the kind of good things that you want to do. Um, yeah, yeah. The sort much. of glory and the fame sort of element is less attractive to the people that we actually need. It, it is. And climate has steadily been moving up the vote as priorities. Um, I mean, number one is typically economy, healthcare, etc., etc., uh, education. Um, but climate is moving up that sort of vote uh, priority list. Thanks to you and me. And yes, it's getting there, but it's not there yet. It's not number one, it's not number two, I've only seen number five. But um, this was kind of shown recently with Obama. Obama run for certain um, environmental health acts uh, he ran for a health act, sorry, an environmental act. However, in his first term, he was only able to achieve the health act. In the second term, he was able to achieve half of the environmental act. It's because of political capital. He spent most of it getting the health act through, and he just didn't have much to get through the second lot. Uh, if he done environment first, we could be in a different world right now. So participate everywhere you can. Schools, work, community, local government, communities, 
whatever you can do, get involved in politics and have your say. Even even email your local councillor, or if you're American, your local whatever they're called. And oh, they don't no, MPs in America. Oh no. Anyway, yes. Your lo- your local congressman, and basically tell them or ask them what are you doing on this green initiative? What is your climate stance? How how are you helping me? Um, get some answers. Push for them to be more sustainable do your thing uh, vote for relative things you care about and yeah hopefully these 10 actions if you do half of these all of them in this decade you as an individual can make a difference right so we're back here again thanks for watching Um, remember to think educate and act and we'll see you next time Mm. 10x bye bye (laughs) 